Hi FM presents South African politics and news with the South African Institute of Race Relations. The IRR show, independent, relevant and real, is hosted by Sarah Gon every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10, promoting life, liberty and property rights. Good morning, everybody, and I do mean good morning in the sense that we have some rain, and it is not global warming, climate warming, whatever, climate change. It is. It happens at this time of the year. You've got to remember the Cape Town doesn't really stop having winter until December, odd. So systems will clash and mix, and that's why you go from 36 degrees to 10 degrees pretty much in, what, 48 hours? Uh, it can be extraordinary, actually, but it is it is not unusual for this time of year, so everyone can chill, literally. Interest, very interesting little piece. I don't know if, how many people might have seen this. Um, the Czech Republic Minister of Defense, Jana Chernokova, has called for her country to leave the United Nations. After, and this is a result of the General Assembly-approved resolution demanding a ceasefire in Gaza that didn't mention Hamas or the hostages kidnapped by the group. Now, that particular UN resolution was only uh, opposed by 14 countries, including uh, the Czech Republic. And it's very interesting because before the, before Czechoslovakia came, you know, well within the sphere of the uh, USSR and 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 communism sort of overtook the country. It was one of the one of the main suppliers of weapons to Israel. Now it was a commercial transaction, but that's who they sold their weapons to in 1948. So, and another thing I, I would just add is that uh, last week the Czech Prime Minister uh, Peter Fiala travelled. To Israel in support. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Well, um, mentioned the uh, Cyril's address last night, and I don't know if any of you watched it. I watched it purely out of pretty much morbid fascination. And essentially, it was the first shot to South Africa, it was the ANC's opening salvo in the election campaign for next year because he was saying, you know, his theme was we have hope because things are improving and he went through corruption, economy, inequality, investment in education, railways, ports, passenger transport, employment going up by 2 million pre-COVID level, um, social grant of 350 rand preventing poverty. Wow. 350 rand prevents poverty. It may prevent starvation, but it won't prevent poverty. Police, cable theft, cash in transit, all being sort of dealt with. ESCOMs being dealt with. More energy provision from the private sector. And so he went on. And that 13 minutes felt like a lifetime. I mean, and that shirt, well, the less said about that shirt, the better. I think it, it was obviously a, a moment for pretending that, you know, he had some, I don't know, some, um, uh, Madiba type uh, gravitas. In sort of contradiction to that, and for your fun, I want to recommend an article in the Daily Friend today, dailyfriend.co.za, by regular columnist Ivo Fechter, and it's headed Cyril, get your grubby mitts off our World Cup. Um, and obviously, I won't 
go through the whole article, but he did say, and I think most of us would probably agree, uh, that it was galling to see Cyril lounging in the expensive seats of the Stade de France, and his mentions costing five or six figures each in rand terms, so that's what we paid those guys to do. Um, uh, while South Africans back home struggled to scrounge up enough for a bully roll and beer to go with the Rugby World Cup final. Um, as he said, he sat there with his vacuous grin that he puts on in public. Um, I won't go into the rest of that. Um, and it just reminds us how far we've come from the days of Tumamina to now. Um, so as he says, they, he says the box, you know, uh, aged us 10 years. They worked ferociously. The opponents were fearsome. The, the hard work and preparation is beyond comprehension. Um, and Jacques Ninaba said, this one is probably for our fans and for South Africa, the head coach. Cyril thought it was for him, though. He said, as soon as Colisi hoisted the cup in celebration, our overfed president waddled unsteadily across the stage, reached out and captured the cup from the captain. While the fireworks were still going on, Cyril lifted the cup on his own before any other Springboks even got a hand to it, as if he deserved it, as if he earned it. And most interesting, I think, were remarks made by the captain, Sia Colisi, and they were pointed. It was, and it was impromptu on the pitch side interview that they have with ITV. There is so much that is wrong in our country. We are the last line of defense. There's so much division in our country, but this team shows what people of different colors and backgrounds can do when they work together. It's not just about the game on the field, you know. Our country goes through such a lot, and we are that grain of hope that they have. Now, this, as Ivo says, was an extraordinary indictment on the true feelings of South Africans who have been exhausted by corruption, criminal neglect, inflation, and there's a, there's a laundry list of what the ANC has done wrong. And I found that very, I mean, very, very interesting because, it, you know, particularly, not, it started with Mbeki, but particularly with Zuma and, 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 and despite any protestations by Ramaphosa himself, there has been a very distinct ANC tactic to separate, to, 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 to drive us apart, you know, racism. It's, it's, a, it's a scourge in the society. Um, you know, we, we white monopoly, capitalism, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I can tell you, we, we've done in the last, oh, I can't remember how many years, but say 12, 15 years, We've, if periodically every few years we do a, a socio-economic, a detailed socio-economic survey to get an idea, the IRL need, wants an idea of how people perceive their circumstances and etc. And there's one question that always gets asked, and that is, what is for you the biggest problem in your life? And there are no suggestions given. The, the people must just tell us what the problem is, and it gets listed in order of, you know, most common occurrence down to the least common. And every year of 12 or 14 answers, possible answers, um, the top is unemployment. It never changes. It's always unemployment. And then the next three could be health, crime, um, drugs, um, you know, they vary. It, it depends on the on the year and, and, and the circumstances at the time. But 
always either bottom or second from the bottom is racism. So w- despite the hysteria and the gnashing of teeth, racism is not the biggest problem that South Africans face. And even if it were, which it isn't, the way to deal with racism is to work together, to get to understand each other, to be civil to each other. And if you have any dreadful thoughts, don't express them, don't in any way display how you may or may not feel, either side of the the spectrum. And the box... Uh, are a fantastic example of that because, and, and they're an example of something that, that the ANC, I don't think really understands. And that is that nothing, nothing succeeds. It doesn't matter how talented or, 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 or how talented you are, or what a genius you are. Nothing will succeed without very, very hard work. And I think it's something that, that, you know, that, that what what is not understood is that the, the ANC takes pride in the fact that the about 19 million people are on social grants. Now, I think to you and I that is a disgrace from hell. That is that is an indictment on the ANC because it's not just that that's not enough to live on. It's just it's not just that people want to make something of their lives and have opportunities to to get ahead if they can. It's that there is dignity in work, and by that I mean that there is dignity in knowing that you are providing, you are achieving something, you are keeping a family together, you are putting yourself in a position that makes it possible to have a family at all. And as long as you have increasing 19 million and more people on social grants, the society, the government has failed you. And that's, you know... That, that, that's as it goes. So all I can say is the box have probably done us a greater favor than anything could at the moment. And if you remember back to many years of debate, and it's probably still a debate among some people, that the Springbok emblem should be changed because it represents apartheid-era rugby. Well, what you do, and this is what I've always said, is there's, there's certain signs, there's certain symbols that have a bad connotation, not all, have a, but have a bad connotation for many that you take ownership of and, and eventually it means something completely different. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Um, I presume that the fair number of people that I'm talking to who will have watched the discussion between Howard Feldman and Mark Abel last night on, on internet and Mark made the point that he talks about the appellation that Israel is an apartheid state. Um, you know, 20 years ago, BDS created it and, and, and have run with it ever since. And it ties in actually with what, I was, what I'm going to talk about today. And that is that uh, the BDS did not invent the slogan. Um, I think it was first mentioned by an Arab writer in the late 40s or early 50s. I stand open to correction. But Israel is an apartheid state was created by the the USSR, by the Soviet Union. Now, let's have a a bit of a look at at that. Um, This is being taken from an article I wrote in 2021, and I started the article... 
The war between Hamas and Israel in May 2021 was remarkable for the virulent anti-Semitism that erupted all over the world after it. Well, that puts an entirely new, um, a new thing on, a new slant on, 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 a new old slant, shall I say, anyway. We all know that, uh, Imperial Russia had been virulently anti-Semitic since the reign of Peter the Great in the 17th century, and in this he was supported by the Russian Orthodox Church, which essentially acted as the Tsar's bureaucracy. And, we are mostly all in South Africa because of the assassination of Tsar Alexander II in 1881, which led to pogroms being unleashed because Jews were blamed, falsely as usual, for his assassination. Now, the pogroms lasted for about three years and led to the greatest immigration wave ever from Europe up to then. It was about two million Jews. And obviously, it added impetus to the Zionist movement to promote the establishment of a Jewish state. And then we had the Russian, the Russian Secret Service essentially uh, created the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, um, probably the most anti-Semitic text ever written. And essentially it was published from 1903 into 1906 and translated into many languages and disseminated internationally. And then it was used to blame the Jews for the Russo-Japanese War in, 19, in, in, in 1905 as well as the Revolution of 1905. Um, and during the 1917 revolution, white Russians who fled the West took the protocols with them and used it to blame Jews for the revolution. Anyway, be that as it, as it may, um, they didn't discredit the revolution. The fa- to, uh, they were trying to prevent the West from recognizing the Soviet Union uh, and, bring, and bring a downfall of the regime, and look how that turned out. We all know that protocols are widely sold over the Middle East and, and, and have been for, for many, many decades. And uh, probably the famous book sale of the tract was at the United Nations World Conference Against Racism, Racial Discrimination, Xenophobia and Related Intolerance in Durban in 2001, three days before 9-11. And we know the trauma of of that. I mean, I still remember it, and I wasn't directly involved, unlike many of the people who, who, who work in this building. Anyway, so Zionism is a hostile ideology um, was developed in the late 1940s, soon after the Holocaust. And this happened kind of when Israel started to align itself with the, USS, with the USA rather than the Soviet Union in the Cold War. Now, the Soviet Union had actually been one of the parties who'd voted for the establishment of the State of Israel in the United Nations before this happened. But, you know, you, you, you're fighting the Cold War, so to speak, so you put into action the most effective propaganda regime probably ever, ever in the history of the world. Um, And what they basically did, it was a combination of things. It was, um, there were allegations of a Zionist conspiracy in, uh, which featured during the Stalinist purge trials. Um, The Slansky trial in 1951 was a purge of Czechoslovakian communists. uh, And that led to the concept of international Zionism. 
um, which being a global conspiracy aimed at destroying socialism. Um, and they managed the trial tied Zionism, Israel, Jewish leaders, and American imperialism together and turned Zionism and Zionist into dangerous labels to be used against the Soviets' uh, political enemies. Now, the anti-Israel campaign continued into the 1960s and the trial of Adolf Eichmann um, was the first time that, they, that, the con- that the Soviet narrative that the Slavs rather than the Jews were the victims in World War II. It was, I mean, I mean, that gives you a lovely sense. There's always been a problem with the, uh, with, with the Soviet Union, um, is that they could not, a part of this was that they could not acknowledge that, well, they, no, they refused to acknowledge that the Jews were the, let's say, the primary victims. And, uh, you know, one doesn't want to over sort of compare things. So what, happened is that the Soviets then attacked Israel's relationship with West Germany as the fascist heir of Nazi Germany. And during this time, that the Soviets were increasing their support for the Arab world. When Israel beat the Arab armies in 1967, and I think 1967 in many ways, it didn't start what had come, you know, the anti-Semitism that come before, but it, it was a pivotal moment because it was such a, Embarrassing defeat, both for the Arab armies and for, and for Russia, that under Leonid Brezhnev, the Soviets embarked upon a massive anti-Zionist campaign to regain their prestige of the Arab, Arab world. And I, you know, I don't, I, I don't think we can begin to understand the shame that was felt in the Arab world and in the Soviet Union as a result of this defeat. And the campaign commenced on in August 1967 with an article entitled What is Zionism? which appeared in several Soviet publications and the author Yuri Ivanov was employed by the KGB and Central Committee apparatus. Um, he used all the usual tropes, Zionism centrally controlled, international system that gripped global policy, etc. And then in 1968, the following year, uh, Turfim Kichko wrote Judaism and Zionism and talked about the crimes of Israeli aggressors and connected um, the morality of Judaism with the actions of the Israelis and that Judaism has always been the heart at the heart of the Soviet struggle against religion. Communism sought internationalist devotion and any other nationhood was an anathema. Now, that is the key for me to... Anti, the, the then and the now anti-left, uh, sorry, left anti-Semitism. Um, and in 69, Ivanov wrote, caution, Zionism, and, and hundreds of thousands of copies were printed and translated into 16 languages and described Zionists as representative of colonialist imperialist part, uh, powers, hostile to the working people of Palestine and cultivating an insatiable thirst for power. It also portrayed Judaism as the most vicious nationalism and the spawned the world's most vicious nationalism and was the world's most inhumane religion. He said that Israeli militarism and West Germany and Nazism are fed from the same source, and so it went. And it appeared in print during the 1970. That comparison of Nazism and Zionism was printed, appeared in print 96 times. 
So basically what happened is that entire campaign succeeded in stripping Zionism's meaning as a national liberation movement it was associated with racism, fascism, narcissism, genocide, imperialism, colonial militarism, and apartheid. Now, their real success was achieved in the United Nations when the UN was considering adopting a resolution against discrimination and racism. And the West had proposed, West being particularly the USA, including anti-Semitism in the definition of discrimination. Now, this would have meant that the Soviet Union would have been declared an anti-Semitic state. So the Soviets got into action and they initiated and successfully had approved the infamous UN Resolution 3151 in December 1973, which condemned inter alia the unholy alliance between South African racism and Zionism and ensuring that Zionism would be linked falsely to apartheid. Now, if you remember, obviously, it was approved because you had the non-aligned stroke third world, which was largely within the Soviet sphere of influence, you had the Soviets, etc., etc., so the resolution got passed. Um, they then... Um, the, 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 the damage was actually incalculable, and the resolution was only revoked in 1991, but it, it essentially, it, the deed had been done. Um, now, in... The 80s, the KGB established a department called the Anti-Zionist Committee of the Soviet, of the Soviet Public. And, uh, shame as it is, senior members were mostly prominent Soviet Jews chosen by the KGB to deflect accusations of anti-Semitism. And in 1983, Pravda, the state newspaper, produced an article which declared Zionism a concentration of extreme nationalism, chauvinism, and racial intolerance, justification of territorial seizure and annexation, uh, and it goes on. I mean, it really does go on. And that's, you know, one saw the the entire episode of Jewish immigration to Israel occur under under that, in those circumstances. Now, in 1985, TAS, which is the English, produced an English language brochure which announced that Zionist leaders are responsible for the deaths of thousands of Jews annihilated by the Nazis. It was precisely the Zionists who assisted the Nazi butchers and so on. So the whole thing is building up in, in a, in a orgy of, of, of dreadfulness that nowadays probably we can understand where we are now, but we, incomprehensible otherwise. And um, the this sort of this is they never, never went, went away. And even in 1991, the memes and tropes continued to proliferate amongst the far left and Muslim circles. And don't we see it now? And as a result, essentially, Zionism and Israel is racist, imperialist, colonial, genocidal, and apartheid has become far-left dogma, and if we're wondering why fresh-faced young pishers in university with privileged upbringings can stand, run through their school singing from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, we kind of know, because that's underlying the academic left's 
let's call it propaganda that has been, been pumped out in, in Western universities. Um, now, the 20-year anti-Israel campaign, anti-Jewish campaign, Israel is an apartheid state campaign, produced 50 books, 9 million copies of which were circulated, and it was really propagating all of those things we have uh, We've discussed. Now, during the campaign, Radio Moscow broadcast more than 1,000 hours per week in 80 languages to Europe, the Middle East, North and Sub-Saharan Africa, and the Americas. And what the Soviets did in that process was structure their anti-Zionist messaging according to their foreign policy priorities for the audience of each country. And in Africa, it was about South African apartheid and Zionism. In Latin America, it was imperial, American imperialism and Zionism. And in Asia, it was Japanese revanchism and Zionism. So, you know, it, it was a wonderfully adaptable um, idea. Um, and in the 1970, the Soviet Weekly, which was a Soviet English language outlet that targeted the UK, they re- reprinted an article in four consecutive issues that defines Zionism as not so much a Jewish nationalist movement, but an organic part of the international, primarily American, imperialist machinery for carrying out neo-colonialist policies and ideological subversion. On one day in 1973, several African programs in English, French and Portuguese were broadcast claiming that Zionism had an ideological affinity with South African racism um, and was part of the global strategy of imperialism aimed against liberation movements. In 1977, the Soviet Weekly printed a piece entitled Why We Condemned Zionism um, and Why the Israelis Were Worthy Heirs to Hitler's National Socialism. English language propaganda brochures were published by Novosti, which was a state-owned news agency along the same lines, and the interesting thing was that the, the head of the of this entity, the, the, the propaganda entity, General David Dragunsky, took part in Soviet Hebrew language broadcasts directed at Israel. And in 1983, he boasted that AXOS, the organization's anti-Zionist work, was receiving, receiving broad support from outside the USSR, including from Israel. Um, now, the just like in 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 the book, the Lift's Jewish Problem: Jeremy Corbyn, Israel, and Anti-Semitism. Dave Rich details how the adoption of the Zionism is Racism resolution by the UN led British students' unions to restrict or ban the activities and funding of Jewish societies on campuses. And. <laughs> in July 1990, Pravda published an editorial admitting to the wrongs of the Zionist, anti-Zionist campaign of the pre- previous quarter century and um, said considerable damage was done by a group of authors who, while pretending to fight Zionism, began to resurrect many notions of the anti-Semitic progra- pro- propaganda of the Black Hundreds and of fascist origin. Hiding under Marxist philosophy, they came out with coarse attacks on Jewish culture, on Judaism, on Jews in general. But, you know, as they say, again, 
the damage had ir- irrevocably been done. Um, so we know it's, it's a weaponization of distorted narratives. It's lying. It's um, extraordinary propaganda um, using deception, guilt by association and repetition. Um, and basically what, as I said, it was used to divert attention from Soviet anti-Semitism. It was to manipulate. It was used to purge its own enemies and uh, essentially broaden the influence of one of the most oppressive regimes in history. Um, and so Israeli historian uh, Kirill Fetterman said that the trick of Soviet anti-Semitism was that it proposed a version of anti-Semitism to Western audiences that did not have obvious anti-Semitic overtones. Um, and, you know, isn't that anti-Zionism writ large? Um, essentially, the Soviets took the gift and made sure it kept on giving. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Well, um, Ramaphosa is hosting the Agoa Summit uh, on Friday at Nasrik. Um, I think he's fairly lucky still to, to still have it, given the uh, given the way that the Zavin government has, on the last well, probably year or less, on, oca- on numerous occasions, um, essentially opposed. The USA on everything and showed its support for Russia, its non-aligned support for Russia. And we all know about the Lady R incident, etc. And there's been talks about pulling the summit away, which I thought they might, but they haven't. And Ramaphosa is saying wonderful things about the summit and what were they going to do and they're going to, he's going to propose making a goer more transformative. I mean, I could weep into my coffee. He, <laughs> a goer is, is something that America has given to the countries on, in the, in the contract. Not like a transformative nothing. Um, anyway, it just goes to show that, um, no good deed goes unpunished. And what has happened is that the Prime Minister of Russia, Mikhail Mishushtin, said on Monday that Russia would create a simplified procedure for all citizens and companies from, quote, friendly, close quote, countries to invest in Russia. And Mishustin said entities from a list of 25 countries would be allowed to open bank accounts in Russia and make deposits via a simplified procedure. Here's the rub. The list does not include South Africa. He said the procedure... He first said that Moscow defines unfriendly countries as those that have joined a barrage of Western-led economic sanctions in response to Russia's war on Ukraine. And he said the procedure would apply to those luminary countries, Azerbaijan, Algeria, Armenia, Bahrain, Belarus, Brazil, Egypt, India, Indonesia, Kazakhstan, Qatar, Kyrgyzstan, China, Kuwait, Malaysia, Mongolia, UAE, Oman, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Tajikistan, Thailand, Turkmenistan, Turkey, and Uzbekistan. Now, other than the extraordinary waiting, not not a surprise, of Muslim countries, 
um, you'll notice a number of things. The one is that Algeria and Egypt are the only African countries on this list. Um, India's on the list, China's on the list, and Brazil's on the list. So what this means is that every member of BRICS, no, no, every member of the original BRICS, the, <laughs> Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, is in on that list except us. They might have excluded us um, because they know we've got no money and we've got nothing to offer, and we're not going to we're not going to put invest in Russia. I mean, you know, heaven forbid, you know, we just don't have the money to do so. But you think it would have been a nice touch to include South Africa, even if it's just from a sort of feel-good uh, point of view. And uh, as I say, no, no good deed goes unpunished. Now here's, let's, you know, compound ironies, etc. Now the Compepe Commission of Inquiry has been established to investigate that dreadful Marshalltown building fire, uh, which killed 77 people. But although they gathered, and I don't know where the venue is, I must say, um, I can't find it, but anyway, they gathered at the venue only to have the, the commission meetings postponed indefinitely, indefinitely. And why is that? The Johannesburg Emergency Management Services say that the venue does not meet safety standings, standards and the proceedings have been placed on hold until the new venue is found. Um, and why is it not meet safety standards? Because it doesn't meet fire precaution standards. There is only one fire e- exit, and in terms of the regulations, that is not enough for the number of people attending the commission. Um, now, <laughs> remember that the Gauteng High Court um, earlier this month said that Johannesburg did not provide a safe environment for the occupiers or users anymore. And he deta- and they detailed the city of Johannesburg fire inspection report on this on this issue last year. Um, and after repeatedly trying and failing to ensure that the fire risks in in the high court were addressed, sorry, I, I, I gobbled that a little bit. But basically, the court was complaining that it it, it was a fire risk. The the Gauteng High Court was complaining about being a fire risk, and they, although the, the city of Joburg tried to ensured that the fire risks were addressed, Deputy Judge President Roland Sutherland expressed his concern to News 24. Um, so Minister Sikhle Zikalala's spokesperson, uh, I think, said that he had ordered his department to work with the Department of Justice to respond to the immediate safety compliance challenges. Now, if anyone has been to the High Court in, in Johannesburg in recent years, um, Everything about it is a disaster, and I mean that is a that is a conflagration waiting to happen. I mean, safety stands notwithstanding. You can imagine it's a building full of paper, and probably a lot of it filed on the floor and against walls. Uh, I can't say because I haven't seen, but I'm, I'm I'm speculating based on the knowledge of other areas, like the master's office, which we've all seen pictures of. Air conditioning doesn't work, lifts don't work, um, and this is not sort of suddenly a failure to provide the services that are required by the court. This has been going on for years, 
It's just been deteriorating for years. I've, I know judges have been complaining about this since Paul fell off the bus. So it really isn't a, um, shall we say, a, a, it's, it's not a surprise. But do not be surprised, and um, we'll talk about it again. If the Joburg High Court one day goes up in complete flames and is destroyed, because that wouldn't be uh, very different to... You know what we what we're kind of used to with these guys. So be be that as it be that as it may. Um, there's a fire coming to you soon in some other building. Um, now, just to look at a, little, a few little items, other than the fact that the box are returning today, and uh, uh, you know, as a fan, you can go crazy. I gather the uh, car train. Is offering cheap ride, no, not cheap, free rides on the car train to our timber if you're going to support the box. Now, boy, if given the cost of going to our timber on the car train, um, I would don my box jersey like a shot, even if I was wearing it back to front. Shows how much I would know. Um, but anyway, um, what we would regard as perhaps good news is that eight people were killed in two shootouts with police in KwaZulu-Natal and the Northwest. And uh, it, it is basically tip-offs regarding, in Inanda's case, uh, suspects terrorizing communities and spates of crime and so on and so forth. So th- there's really been a lot of gun battles going on, which appear to have succeeded with the... Uh, police, but you know the police are getting on on top of some of the stuff. But one has to ask, you know, you know, it's not touching sides, despite what President Ramaphosa assures us of. Hi FM, one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. Um, then let's go with business as usual. Um, the NISFAS, the student funding scheme for tertiary student, pays apparently one thousand five hundred. 1,000, sorry, I'm behaving like Jacob Zuma. 150,980 rand to ghost students for monthly allowances. Ghost students for monthly allowances. Um, wow, I mean, you know, like, no, look, this fuss, like every organization and governmental organization, whether it was created 30 years ago or 1918 when Zuma left power he threw that at us um, and so basically that 47 billion national student financial aid scheme is paying GO students 1,650 rand a month in allowances now this massive discrepancy apparently equates to nearly 260 million rand that remains unaccounted for in the monthly disbursement of state funds. Um, the fund falls under the Higher Education Ministry, Science and Technology, the Minister, Dr. Blade, and Zimandi. Um, now, I, I'm not even sure if Blade is still alive. I think he sits in, the, in that position. He might well you know, have ceased and gone, shucked off this mortal coil for all we know, for the good that he's done, um, tertiary education and funding in particular. Um, the 
basically what now this face has revealed um, last week is that a probe by the law firm Worksman's attorneys and advocate Timbeke Ngugatobi found that the fired fired uh, Nisfas CEO Andile Nungogo handpicked four firms to pay around 1.1 million students their 1,650 rand month allowance directly and not through tertiary institutions, which was the previous payment method. Um, the board has said that this was blatant flouting of procure- procurement laws and processes in the conten- contentious tender. So what I, what I, what I kind of love about this is this is a newish institution and it has gone exactly the way of every other government institution that we have in this country. And Sir Ramaphosa sits there and says, we have hope. The following things are improving. And he essentially blames our situation on the 2008 financial crisis and COVID. And when you watch him talk last night, he does what he always does. He sounds like somehow this happened to South Africa. In other words, no one, no person or, pe- or persons were responsible for, for it. It happened. And the good old ANC is just trying to dig us out of the mess. Um, it's an art. You've got to admit that is an art. And if you want to keep informed and see what we have to say about every political thing under the sun, please go to the dailyfriend.co.za. Or to the Daily Friend Show, full live, 30-minute podcasts Monday and Friday, and recorded podcasts, 10-minute wraps, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, available from 6 p.m. And with that, I thank you for bearing with me and hope to see you next week.